Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, good morning everybody again. My name is Jared Lons. I am the lead pastor here. And it is uh, just my pleasure to welcome you to Encounter. If this is your first time, I see a lot of new faces today. We want to specially welcome you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us today. Hope that, uh, that you're enjoying the service today. And if you're joining us on the podcast as well, we want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, this is going to be, I'm believing it's going to be a great message, a challenging message for all of us. You know, uh, we are right in the middle of our Christmas message series called A Christmas Story. It's based off of the classic Christmas film called A Christmas Story. And what we're trying to do is we wanted to take some iconic elements from the film and then apply them to our lives in truth from the scripture. And so the first week we talked about the triple dog dare, the concept of uh, poor Flick being dared by his friends to stick his tongue onto a flagpole, and then he got stuck. And we kind of likened that to how in our lives, uh, as we grow up, we may not do childish things like that, but we're still dared to compare ourselves to other people, and we can end up in difficult situations in our lives, and God doesn't want that for us. Last week we talked about Fragile, the box that came in the mail with the leg lamp, and how oftentimes we try to build great awards and things for ourselves, which are good things. But in the end, they end up, those are the things, the, the, the things that we rely on. And ultimately, we need a Savior. And that leads us right into today, the greatest gift, the best gift of all in Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited for today. Uh, we've got some great things planned right after service today. We have a, a hot chocolate bar waiting for you in the lobby. And then uh, in the gym, which is straight out these doors and straight ahead into the gymnasium, we're having pictures with Santa. Santa Claus today. Um, we're so excited. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to jump right into our message. And I just want to give you the question of this is, do you remember when you were a kid, like there was a gift, there was some gift, something that you just desperately wanted and you told your parents about it and you, you made sure that they knew exactly what it was that you wanted and you tried everything you possibly could in order to get that thing on your parents' radar so that Santa Claus could bring it on Christmas morning. Well, I think uh, if you can remember that, this scene here that we're about to watch will introduce our message and what exactly that looks like in our lives. Let's take a look. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, Chad. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? <laughs> Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. Out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. No! 
they are. I'll see you in Oz, All right, so maybe you didn't have that experience, but um, he clearly had a moment of where he forgot what he wanted, and then at the the greatest moment that he needed it, he stopped on the slide and said, no, I know exactly what I want. He wants the Red Ryder BB gun that has become famous in all of American Christmas lore. Um, You know, for me, when I was a kid, I remember uh, th- I was trying to think this week of a particular item that I really desperately wanted for Christmas. And the only thing I could think of was my Super Nintendo. I remember begging my parents for months for this item. I mean, I grew up as a Nintendo kid. You know, I had it in 1988, I believe, was when I got my first regular Nintendo Entertainment System. For those of you guys who are younger than me, you probably don't even know what that is. It, you had to use a cartridge. It was weird. But uh, I remember they were coming out with this incredible device called the Super Nintendo. I mean, what could be better than an original Nintendo but a Super one? And so I asked for it, and I asked for it, and every possible chance I got, I made sure my parents knew that was the one thing I wanted for Christmas. And so Christmas Day arrives, and we're opening presents, and I'm getting all sorts of great things, but none of them were the Super Nintendo You know what I'm talking about, right? That feeling of where is the one thing that I've been asking for? The one thing. And present after present. Great presents, but every time I'm thinking, that tree, the present is small. They're getting smaller. And then finally, we, we get to the end of the pile, and there are no presents left. And I did not get my Super Nintendo. But then my dad pulls the greatest of all parent Christmas cards, which is, what's that thing hidden over there behind the couch or whatever it was. And, you know, I'm looking. My heart begins to race. I'm beginning to perspire with excitement. And lo and behold, a big box, and I rip it open, and then the Super Nintendo is inside, and it was a glorious, glorious day. Thank you. You can applause. That was great. Yes, the Super Nintendo. I was... So thrilled. It was the best gift I think I've ever received. On that video, didn't our kids do a great job with that video? Like, if, if I were to be asked what was the best gift that I've ever received as a kid, I think I would tell you it was my Super Nintendo. I had such satisfaction that day in my heart. I loved that thing. I felt like everything was right in the world in that day because I got the thing that I'd desperately been wanting. Well, you know, we grow up, you know, we've grown up and, and now our situations are a little bit different. Maybe you've had experiences like that. Maybe as I'm talking, you can think of whatever it was for you. There was just something that gave you great joy. And I will tell you that I played the circuits out of that Super Nintendo. Like, I'm, I think I probably went through three of them because I love them so much. Maybe you had something like that. But, you know, we grow up and now the things are different for us. Now that we've grown up, we still love receiving gifts. I mean, every one of us does. But now our priorities have shifted a little bit, and it's not quite just concerned with gifts. It's now some greater needs. We have things like health that we're concerned about. We're concerned about taking care of our families. We're concerned about finances. We want to make sure that we can pay our bills. You know, and so the gifts that we receive are great, but, but there's, there's only so far that receiving presents or even money can take us. 
And so we find ourselves searching for things like purpose in life and finding something ultimately to fill the void in our hearts, which I believe is a, is a hole in our heart that it was specifically designed to be met by our creator. I believe that. I believe that no matter how good our lives can be, I believe that no matter how great Christmas is, how great you know, the presents could be, as, as awesome as that Super Nintendo was and is, it's just not enough to reach ultimately into the depths of my soul and connect me to the place that I need that only my creator can fill. And so we're still looking for that kind of satisfaction, for things to be made right in our lives. And we look all around. Our world is messed up. There's problems everywhere. Racial divides across our country with, with shootings and things. There's crime and all, there's poverty and, and famine going on in other countries and parts of, the, parts of the world. There are things that we just cannot solve and no amount of money is going to fix it. But that's the beauty of the Christmas story of Jesus Christ being born. Is that the world, the entire world is longing for salvation. It's like we cannot save ourselves. No matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. We're looking for something greater than what this world can provide. And it is being provided for us through Jesus Christ. And we are all searching for it, whether we know it or not. Every one of us is searching for the best gift of all. So today we're going to look at an incredible moment in human history probably the greatest moment in human history. And we're going to explore why Jesus is really the best gift of all and the answer that we've all been searching for. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to pull it out to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you have a tablet or a smartphone, you have a Bible app, just pull it up. And also on the program that you receive, there are sermon notes that you have. Um, the passage of Scripture will be on there as well, and they'll also be on the screen. I'm going to turn, turn to Luke chapter 2. Our story begins here in Luke Chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to read it together. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus, this was in the Roman Empire, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph, the guy that we couldn't, the kids couldn't remember who was Jesus' dad, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. So that was where his family's origin was from, was from Bethlehem, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. I love that it puts it in there, obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Verse 7, she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now imagine, I don't know if people understand, why wasn't there any lodging available? I think we always see there's no room in the inn. There was no lodging available. It's just like a Super Bowl night or whatever, some massive event that's happening in your city. You're not going to be able to find a hotel room anywhere. Because they had to come and register for the census. So they were coming for this big event. Everybody, whoever their family line was ever from Bethlehem, had to come to that place. And so they get there. You know, they're clearly, she's clearly pregnant, about to have a baby, and there's just nowhere for them to go. And so fortunately, someone says, hey, you can use our manger over here. Now, the manger is not what we typically think of it as. We normally think of it as sort of a nativity set. I think we have it here. This is not what it looked like. In reality, it was more like a cave, sort of carved out of the rock. And I mean, it was 
was a place for the animals. So there were, it was a place for the animals to keep warm. And there was probably hay and all of those types of things. It just wasn't quite as neat and tidy looking as you might see in these pictures here. But the point is still the same, that someone opened their property up for this couple in need to be able to, you know, to be able to, uh, to, to give birth to their son. Now, this is a familiar story for most of us. I and mean, we've seen this manger. We've seen this nativity scene downtown right in front of the U.S. Steel Building. There's actually a big nativity scene that's there. You know, we've seen it. Most people understand this. But the thing is, is it doesn't seem, at least to me, as though this would be the scene of the greatest gift of all humankind being given. Like, this is the destination? This is the place where the best thing to ever happen to humanity was? I mean, Jesus was born in humbling circumstances, and he was not born in, you know, West Penn Hospital. He wasn't born in some nice place or children's hospital or anything like that. He was born in in the cave. I mean, it was basically in just someone's backyard he was born in. I don't think any of us have had that experience. I mean, Jesus, from the very beginning, was born into humbling circumstances. And the thing that I think we get from this, the picture that we understand from this is that from the very beginning, Jesus always flipped things upside down and showed that the world is not the way that we see it and that God does not operate the way that we think that he would. And so Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the entire world, comes in the form of a baby in someone's backyard in a cave with stinking animals. That is where the greatest gift of all came from. And what this tells us is that Jesus understands every aspect of our lives because he lived in the most humbling and human of circumstances. So the question then begs, how can we see Jesus as the greatest gift from this picture inside the manger? I think it might be challenging, but there's another passage in Scripture that's going to explain it a little bit better for us. So now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read here verses 1 and 2 and then 9 and 11. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. We already established that during the reign of King Herod, who was a Jewish king. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, which was nearby to Bethlehem, asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? So wait a minute. Somebody who was not Jewish from another land recognized that there was going to be a new king of the Jews. More on that later. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him, they said. Now skipping down to verse 9. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Can you imagine that? That'd be really cool to see like a star kind of moving across the sky. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. These were not Jewish people. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we have an image of what this might have looked like. This is from, I think, a film, and I'm sure, again, wasn't quite as clean but these are individuals. These, some, of the, some, some passages of, of, the, of Scripture, like in other translations, call them magi. Sometimes we've heard them as kings, like we three kings of Orient are. What this is, I did some digging into it this week. These wise men, these magis, were religious leaders in the Arabian or the Persian Empire to the east of Israel. Okay, And they followed a religion 
that believed that the movement of the stars in the sky foretold what was going to happen in, in the course of human history. So these, these men who were trained astrologers, they were trained to look up into the sky and see the changes and, and discern what they mean is what happened with these gentlemen. They saw it and they were sent or dispatched to come along. Now there's an interesting piece here. It's, like, it's one thing to look at it, maybe explore it. It's a whole other thing to come with gifts and ready to bow down in front of someone and worship him as a king. Someone who's not your own religion. Someone who's not even your own people group. Why? did they worship this baby Jesus? Well, the answer is because there were Roman historians who were named Suetonius and Tacitus who wrote that many in the eastern part, past, past Israel, in Persia and Arabia, actually had beliefs in their religion that there was going to be a sovereign world leader who was going to rise out of Israel. There were people in in the Persian Empire, in that area, who were not part of the, the Jewish religion, who believed that. They were religious leaders. And these men, when they saw that star, linked the star to, the, to the, the belief that they had that there was going to be a new sovereign world leader rising out of Israel. And so they came and show honor and reverence to worship him. They all came with three gifts that would symbolize the role that Jesus would play in every single life that he would have ever lived and will ever live and will show Jesus is truly the best gift of all. And so quickly, we're going to explore those three gifts, the meaning of the three gifts. There was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think that these gifts are going to paint the picture of why Jesus truly is the greatest gift of all. The first one is gold. Gold is a gift that was given to kings. It was given to kings, and so the, the gold symbolizes his kingship. Earlier in Luke chapter 2, it actually talks about how Jesus was from the line of David. His father, Joseph, had to go to Bethlehem. David, the King David, was from Bethlehem. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, that David was the king, the greatest king of, of all the Jewish faith, okay? And prophecies in the Old Testament say that the Messiah, the one who would save the Jewish people in the entire world, would come from the line of David. So Jesus being born in Bethlehem not only signals that, but his father, David, or his father Joseph, actually comes out of that line of David. So when he was given the gift of a king, God, in his supernatural sovereignty, sends these three dudes from the eastern part of the world with gifts that they didn't even know this guy was going to be. They bring him along and give him a gift as a king because he was now going to be the king of kings. And not only was he the king of the Jews, he is the king of the Gentiles. Gentiles is a fancy word in the Bible which is used for anybody who is not Jewish, kind of like muggles in Harry Potter. It's anybody who is not of this blood is a Gentile, okay? So Jesus not only is the king of the Jews, by these Gentiles, by these Persian kings, these, these wise men, these astrologers, these magi, by them bringing a gift of gold, which they only give to kings, Jesus now became the king of the Gentiles, the king of the muggles, the king of all of us. He is the king of all kings and the ruler and savior of all. And he has all authority. And with the kingship comes authority. The authority to change your life. The authority to, to destroy things that are damaging you or others around you. Jesus is the king of all things. 
The gold represents the kingship of Jesus. The second gift was frankincense. Frankincense. I don't even, no one even knows what frankincense is anymore, so I had to dig into it. It is a valuable and a sacred oil that was used as incense burned in the temple for sacrifices. So in this era, particularly, there were the Jewish faith, they had a temple, and there were priests who would work inside the temple, and their job was to go in and to offer sacrifices to God to, uh, to cover over the sins, the deeds, the bad deeds, the sins of, of the people of Israel. And so what one part of that ritual would be they would take incense, this oil, this frankincense oil, and they would burn it as an incense, as a fragrance. And that was part of this process of, of the atonement, the word is called atonement, for their sins. This frankincense being given to Jesus was again another symbol of Jesus' priestly role in our life. And most of us have grown up in church, whether it be a Catholic church or maybe a Protestant one. Most of us understand the concept of a pastor or a priest. Their job is to administer the work of the church, right? And so Jesus, being the priest of his kingdom, the priest of his family, ultimately means that he is the one who has the ability to save us. He has the divine ability to save. And Jesus is the one who is always there to hear us and always there to forgive us. You go to a Catholic church, part of the priest's responsibility is to sit in a room and you go and you confess your sins to him. Right? That's the concept. So Jesus is acting in this place. He's saying, I am now the high priest. And if you read the book of Hebrews in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus is the high priest. There is no longer a need for sacrifices anymore. There's no longer a need for any of those things because Jesus came to earth and ultimately in his divine ability to be the priest of all priests. Not only is he the king and he rules over everything, he is the priest of all priests, the pastor of all pastors. He is the one who has the ability to save. He hears our prayers. He hears us and forgives us. He loves us. He will speak to us. He will guide us. And so when they gave him this frankincense, when they gave him this gift, it was like the oil of celebration. It was also used in celebrations. And this was like the inauguration. Just like when we have a brand new president, we have this huge party, an inauguration. This was the inauguration of his messianic role as the provider, as the savior of the world. The word Messiah means that, anointed one. It's the savior, the one who has come. And so just like the, the, the scripture was being read while the children were singing that song, and it said the host of angels were singing. They were singing great joy because they were celebrating. It was a party because the day had finally arrived when the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ came to save humanity. So these men from the east came and they brought Jesus a gift that represented his kingship in the gold. They gave him a gift that represented his priestness, his, his holiness, his ability to work on our behalf in the frankincense. And finally, and the one is my favorite, is he gave him what's called myrrh. Myrrh. Myrrh is interesting because it was a spice that was used in ointments, balms, and perfumes. And it was used when birthing. So when someone was having a baby, they would, they would uh, rub it on the woman and they would also rub it on the baby. And then when they're swaddling newborns, and its properties had healing effects and pain relief. It was also used for salving wounds and for alleviating suffering. Now, if you know anything about Jesus, almost all of his entire earthly ministry was about alleviating human suffering. Jesus, some facts for you, Jesus was rubbed with myrrh 
and aloes before he was buried in the tomb. And it was also offered to Jesus while he was on the cross to ease his pain, and he rejected it. When there was the wine, you know, they dipped the sponge with the wine and myrrh, it says, and that would have helped dull the pain that he was in on the cross, and he rejected it because he wanted to bear the full weight of the suffering for us. At his birth, Jesus received myrrh. At his death, he rejected it. Jesus' earthly ministry was centered, like I said, on alleviating human suffering. He was the personification of myrrh. In his crucifixion, he was bearing the full brunt of human pain, suffering, and agony on the cross for us. And he bore our shame. He bore our sorrows. And so he rejected the myrrh. Jesus took the full dose of sin on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. And so symbolically, myrrh, being given to Jesus as a baby, foreshadows Jesus' sacrificial death, his burial, and his future as one who would die and ultimately see the tomb before rising again as the true anointed one of all people. Myrrh symbolizes Jesus' saviorhood, his saviorhood. I mean, the gold is a king. That's great. I can bow down to a king, but I am in pain. Frankincense means he hears me, but I'm still suffering. I'm still in need. But myrrh symbolizes the incredible willingness to ease our pain, to ease our suffering, to meet us in our most human and humbling of places. And for this reason, Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And so we have this world, our world is, entire world is waiting in anticipation of the Savior coming. And they didn't know when, they didn't know how it was going to happen, but they were waiting and they were hoping. And this is the concept of Advent. Advent. Most of us have Advent calendars at home. My kids have them where they open a little door and they get a piece of chocolate out and it's how many days till Christmas. But the real reason for Advent is the spiritual process of taking the time before Christmas to wait and to wait and long in your soul to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the greatest gift of all. Anticipation of our Savior. And we know this kind of anticipation. We experience it on Christmas morning. When we are our kids, we open up our presents and we're hoping for the gift that we've been waiting for. We know it. Well, let's see what it looks like for Ralphie. Let's visit Ralphie on Christmas morning and see what happened for him. Let's look at one more clip. Mm-hmm. Almost, huh? Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Hey, that's so funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Oh, behind the desk, against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Santa Claus probably brought it. Whoa. <laughs> 
Do you know how to load it? Yeah. Yeah? Just like Ralphie, finally getting the gift that he'd been hoping for, we too now have the greatest gift that all of mankind could ever receive. Now, did you see the the look of the face of the dad as his son found that gift? I think there was pure pure delight and joy as his child received that gift. He was just as excited to give that gift. And just like that God went out of his way to provide a savior for us, his son Jesus. He is waiting for each one of us to receive the best gift of all and to step into the new life that Jesus provides. And so our challenge for the day, I always end my messages with a challenge, is this, is that allow Jesus to be the gift that you need. Allow Jesus to be the gift that you need. Make him king of your life. Give him permission to forgive you like the, in that priestly role that he has. And allow him to ease your suffering. He came to earth to be that for us. And at the end of the clip, the dad asks Ralphie if he knows how to load his new BB gun. You know, like a dad who's excited for his son to open a gift, but he wants to know, do you know how to use this? And in the same way, God wants each one of us to know how to receive the gift of Jesus. And it starts with the belief in the heart, and it moves to your mouth. The Bible says that all it takes to believe in Jesus, all it takes to be saved, is to, is to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he's raised from the dead. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.